And the Lord said, I will destroy man whom I have created from the face of the earth, both man and beast and the creeping thing and the fowl of the air, for it repenteth me that I have made man. But Noah found grace in the eyes of the Lord. These are the generations of Noah. Noah was a just man, a righteous man, perfect in his generations. And Noah walked with God. And God looked upon the earth, and behold, it was corrupt. For all flesh had corrupted his way upon the earth. And God said to Noah, The end of all flesh has come before me. The earth is filled with violence through them. Behold, I will destroy them with the earth. As it was in the days of Noah, so shall also the coming of the Son of Man be. But as in the days that were before the flood, they were eating and drinking. They were marrying and giving in marriage until the day that Noah entered into the ark. And they knew not until the flood took them away. So shall also the coming of the Son of Man be. Welcome to the Unchanging Word Radio Bible Study. Our teacher is Dr. John G. Mitchell, a man who was faithful in teaching the Word of God for more than 60 years throughout the Northwest. The name of our study, The Unchanging Word, highlights the fact that God's Word has not changed. What God reveals in His written Word was true in the past, is still true today, and will be true tomorrow. The truth in God's Word was, is, and always will be true. God never changes. Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. Life begins at Calvary, there my Savior died. He took my place and by His grace came with me to abide. All I need for living is mine by just believing. Life begins at Calvary, life that never ends. Noah is the subject of our great Bible character study on the Unchanging Word Bible broadcast. The character of Noah was affirmed by the Lord himself in Genesis chapter 7, verse 1. The Lord said to Noah, Enter the ark, you and all your household, for you alone I have seen to be righteous before me in this generation. And Jesus, in speaking of himself, says in John chapter 7, verse 18, He who is seeking the glory of the one who sent him, he is true, and there is no unrighteousness in him. Jesus Christ is righteous. God his Father says of him, This is my beloved Son in whom I am well pleased. Listen to him. Matthew 17, 5. Jesus is the believer's ark of righteousness and salvation. So believe in this risen and living Savior, Jesus Christ, today. Here is Dr. Mitchell. Thank you. Good day, friends. Again, we come to you and we're discussing together this man, Noah, in the book of Genesis, chapters 6 through 9. He's mentioned in chapter five, chapter 5, where he was born, and he was 500 years when his sons, he mentioned his sons, Shem, Ham, and Japheth. And then we have the Lord dealing with the world at that time. And if I may repeat one or two things, I would like you to really understand the condition of the world Remember that there were no nations at that time. They're all of one, one tongue, one language. It was a very, it was a boasted civilization. You find that in Genesis chapter four, and you find it 
also in Genesis chapter 6. You remember where there were giants in the earth and there were those who were men of renown, mighty men, and so on. And in chapter 4, you have where you have music and organs, poetry. Uh, they were artificers in brass and iron and so on. They were not cave dwellers. It was a boasted civilization. And you remember that they broke down the separation between the descendants of Seth and the descendants of Cain. If you go back to chapter 4, you have where the women were in the predominance. That's why when you come to chapter 6, the, daughter, the sons of God took the daughters of men and so on. I'm not going to go into that question of who the sons of God were, except to say this, they were not angels, for angels do not have the capacity for procreation. Our Lord spoke of that, you remember. Uh, there's a special number of angels. They don't increase, they don't decrease. Wall of separation between the sons of God, who were the descendants of Seth, then began men to call themselves by the name of God. And then you remember they had a contempt for the primal law of marriage. Uh, they had more than one wives. Secondly, they, uh, they were marrying and giving in marriage. They were looseness in their morals. And they were ignorant of a coming judgment, ignorant of what God was going to do. And they were indifferent to the person of God. They were eating and drinking. And yet you have, for over 120 years, the Spirit of God dealing with men on the earth. As you remember in chapter 6, verse 3, God said, My Spirit will not always strive with man, for that he is also his flesh. His day shall be 120 years. It was an age of lawlessness, an age of violence and immorality. They were moral lepers. And God said, he saw the wickedness of man upon the earth. It was very, very great. And every imagination of the thoughts of the heart of man was evil continually. And God said to Noah, I want you to build an ark. I would like you to say one or two things before we go on and finish this little discussion on this man, Noah. I want you to mark this question of the patience of God. You ever think of it? The patience of God for 120 years. He had a man by the name of Noah who walked with God. And by the way, God always has some man or woman who will walk with him. And Noah, in some way, got a glimpse of the compassion of the heart of God for men, for the race of men that he had made. And may I remind you that man, in fact, I'll put it this way, there is, as far as I know, no created intelligence in the universe like man. Man has tremendous capacity. And man, instead of glorifying God, glorifies himself. In fact, the generation of Noah's day, they lived a life of practical atheism. They had no room, no time, no place for God in their lives. Entirely physical and material. There was a man by the name of Noah who walked with God in the midst of an earth that was violent, absolutely gone, utter ruin. And yet God wanted to save the human race. 
And he said, my spirit will not always strive with man. I'll give him 120 years. But how is God going to reach this world with his grace, with his compassion? He used a man by the name of Noah, and Noah walked with God. Friend, I'd like to impress upon you again today that you and I are living in a corrupt age. And if you love the Savior, if you belong to him, you have a tremendous responsibility of relating God's message to men. He's not going to send angels down to do it. He doesn't take the great and the mighty. He took a humble man like Noah. He can take you. I don't care who you are. If you love the Savior, he can take you. And you could become God's channel, not only to relate the word of God and the message of grace and the word of redemption to men, that they might be delivered from sin and from wrath and from judgment, but you can display to men something of the character of God, the compassion, the tenderness, the love of God for men. My, how God loves men. You can't read Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, the four, four Gospels, four testimonies concerning our Savior as he walked among men. You can't read those four Gospels without realizing something of the tenderness and the compassion of our Savior for sinners. I want you to get this. His love for sinners. As Romans 5, 8 says, For when we were yet without strength at the right time, Christ died for the ungodly. God commendeth his love toward us. And that while we were still active in our sins, Christ died for us. But if when we were enemies, we were reconciled to God by the death of his Son, much more being reconciled, we shall be saved by his present ministry in heaven by his life. Keep this thing in mind, will you? Now he's made his ark. And I'm sure while he was building the ark, he was the butt of ridicule from those around him. Here the sun is shining. There's no rain. There's no water around. He's building an ark on dry ground. And for over a hundred years, he worked on the ark. And by the way, his architect was God. Isn't it nice for God to draw up the plans but, ark, but Noah built the ark as a testimony. I want to get this truth to your mind. When, ark, when Noah built the ark, when he, built, was he, when he was building the ark, he was building the ark to save his house in case the world did not turn to God. And the more he built the ark, the more he preached righteousness and their responsibility to a living God, the greater was his heart burdened. And one day God says, go into the ark. He went in with all the stock. And he took in his family, three sons and their wives, eight of them, just eight souls saved. After 120 years of preaching righteousness, responsibility to a righteous God, all he had was his own family. My, what faith this man must have had. But you see, God was the object of his faith. He believed God in spite of circumstances. And he entered the ark. He obeyed God. He built the ark. And he entered the ark. And God shut the door. God shut the door. The same hand that shut him in shut them out. 
who could open what God has shut? It was impossible for Noah to get out of the ark, and impossible for them, those on the outside, to get in. One group effectually saved, and the rest eternally lost. You ever think of it? Did you ever stop to think that God has made provision for every man and woman to be saved? I wish in some way I could get this into your heart. The only place of safety in that day was in the ark. But they didn't believe it. They didn't believe in a coming judgment. They were ignorant of it. They wouldn't believe it. It wasn't that they hadn't heard. It wasn't, what, it wasn't that the Spirit of God convicted them. But the Spirit, as God says, my Spirit will not always strive with man. I'll give him 120 years. Are you talking about the patience of God? And God is patient today. 2 Peter 3, 9 says, God is not slack concerning his promises, as some men count slackness, but is long-suffering to usward, not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. But God shut him in. My friend, when you accept the Savior, you're put in his hands, and what safer hands can you be in? You remember the words of our Savior in John chapter 10, 28 to 30, when he said, My sheep hear my voice. And they follow me, and I give unto them eternal life, and they shall in no wise ever perish. Neither shall anyone plunder them out of my hand. My Father who gave them to me is greater than all, and no one is able to plunder them out of my Father's hand. I and my Father are one. I'm quoting John 10, 28 to 30. Listen, friend, Noah in the ark was just as safe as God could make him safe. You know, I'm so thankful, I'm so thankful that God has made it so clear for us today. You remember John 10, 9, Jesus said, I am the door. By me, if any man enter in, he shall be saved. I am the door. By me, if any man enter in, he shall be saved and shall go in and out and find pasture. Or dear Peter, as he could say to the leaders of his day in chapter 4, verse 12 of Acts, for there is no other name under heaven given among men whereby we must be saved. You see, even though Peter accused the leaders of Israel of killing the Son of God, yet he was still pleading with them to accept the Savior. And I think Noah was the same way. I repeat what I said a while ago. He did not make the ark to save the race. He made the ark for his salvation and his family in case the race did not accept the provision God had made. God today is still pleading with man. God is still patiently waiting. God, as 1 Timothy 2 says, God wants all men to be saved and to come to the knowledge of the truth. He came to seek and to save that which was lost. God, Jesus died for sinners. The Lord Jesus died for sinners for you, for me. And he wants us to accept him. This is the cry of Noah. Well, you notice something else while he's in the ark. Here yeah, the waters have come, and the ark is rising above the waters. Those on the outside can't get in. 
The amazing thing was there were no windows in the ark except on the top. The only way that Noah could look was up. I'll tell you, when you look out, you see corruption, you see death, you see judgment. You see men and women rebelling against God. Oh, that men and women should realize that God has made ample provision for them to be saved from sin and from judgment. Do you know that? And for one whole year, the water was upon the face of the earth. For a whole year. And all that Noah could do was look up. And sometimes when I say, my friend, today, when I see conditions, the only way to do is to look up. We have hope in a God who raised the dead, in a God who has all authority, and yet one was full of grace and truth. He's still Still yearning, still yearning. Why doesn't God take the church away from this scene, from this world? As the world goes further and further away from him. And I'm not a prophet of doom. I've got good news. But I must emphasize to your heart that if he's God, if there is a God, he must be righteous and he must be holy. He must be omnipotent. And if he's righteous and holy, how in the world can sinners ever come into his presence and be accepted? And don't tell me, my friend, you're as good as me or I'm as good as you. That's, that's just passe. You're just looking for an excuse. As Hebrews chapter 9, uh, 27 says, It is appointed unto men once to die and after that judgment. But God has made the provision. Why doesn't God come in judgment? Because he wants men and women to be saved. He wants men and women to experience his mercy. He wants men and women to experience his forgiveness, his redemption. A new life in Christ. That's what, he, that's what Jesus meant when he said to Nicodemus in John 3, Nicodemus, you're born wrong. Why, how can a man be born when he's old? He must be born of water and of the Spirit. And John 3.16 is the answer of being born. What do you mean by being born of water and the Spirit? John 3.16 is the answer. John 3.16 is the answer of a question. How can I be born again? For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. So I repeat it, Noah was just as safe as God could make him safe. And God shut him in. And the only way out, only way he could look, was up. And after one year, the flood stopped. And Noah came out of the ark. And you know what the first thing he did? He built an altar. He didn't look at the ark and make a, a shrine out of the ark. No, he built an altar unto God. First thing he did was to worship. On a renovated earth, he worshiped. First thing that a person does after he accepts the Savior the next thing on the program is worship, thanksgiving. Huh? He doesn't say as soon as you get saved, get to work. No, no. First thing is worship, thanksgiving. The marvelous thing that God should forgive you and me our sins and fit us for his presence. Huh? It's a wonderful thing. And yet, you know, I must, I must say this. You know, he lived over 300 years after the flood. 
approximately lived about 350 years after the flood. Noah was 950 years when he died. And for about 350 years, nothing is said about him. He got, he planted a vineyard, and he got drunk. First mention of a vineyard, coupled with drunkenness and immorality. And drunkenness and immorality, Jenny, go together. They're a pair. You mean to tell me, sir, that Noah went out after walking with God all these years and he got drunk? Yes, and his son Ham manifested immorality. You know, may I say this? Neither age nor experience is a guarantee against failure. Did you hear what I said? Neither age nor experience is a guarantee against failure. Same thing happened to Abraham. When he's over a hundred years of age, he's about a hundred years of age, he still lied about Sarah with all his experience with God. I say to you, my Christian friend, you can't afford not to walk with God one day. We must walk with God. We're still in frailty, still in weakness, still in a world that's filled with moral corruption, lawlessness, no time, no room for God. Oh, we make a boast about our goodness and what we've done and our religious feelings and so on. But do you walk with God? Now, if you go to chapter 9 of the book of Genesis, you have where he made a prophecy concerning Shem, Ham, and Japheth. I'm not going to go into it. Except to just say that before, right after the flood, he failed God and then prophesied concerning his three sons. And that prophecy has been carried right through down to the present day. Rather remarkable, you know, that the first, the first great empires of the world were Hamite, Egypt, so on, Syria. The next great empires of the world were Japhethite, like Greece and Rome, present-day Western world. The next great empires is going to be Shemite. And when the Lord Jesus returns, Israel is going to be in her place, and the nations are going to learn righteousness. And they're going to be taught the things of God through Shemite, the descendants of Shem. I just suggest this. When you come to chapter 10 of Genesis, you have where, chapter 10 and 11, you have where the nations, where you have the beginning of nations. In fact, you have the Magna Charter of nations in chapter 10. And chapter 11 tells you why they were scattered. I don't want to go into that except to just mention that. May I just say in closing, our, mo our world today is moving fast toward judgment. And for us Christians, I'd like to appeal to your heart to walk with God day by day, hour by hour, in a walk of separation from evil, a walk with God. And if you walk with God, my friend, you'll not walk in evil. I'm not saying you won't fail God, but the pattern of your life is that you want to please Him, magnify Him. For those of you who do not know the Savior, again, may I remind you of 2 Corinthians 6, first two verses. Now is the accepted time. Now is the day of salvation. I am sure that in Noah's day, that society mocked and scoffed him right through until the rains came. The door was shut. 
God is not slack concerning his promise, as some men count slackness, but God is long-suffering to usward. He is not willing that any should perish. God doesn't want you to come into judgment. He doesn't want you to perish. And Christ himself said, I am the way, I am the truth, I am the life. No man cometh to the Father but by me. May I again remind you, God is still manifesting mercy. He's full of mercy. His mercy endureth forever. He wants you to know him as your Savior and as your Lord. And dear Christian friend, as long as we're here, in this, in this world, we have an obligation to minister the Word of God, to witness to a Savior who died to save men. Now may the Lord wonderfully bless every one of you today. And may I again suggest, walk with Him today. What condescension, oh, how can it be? What shame he suffered, oh, what agony. And then the death he died, for sinners crucified. What grace is this? What grace is this? We trust that your hearts have been blessed and encouraged through the study of God's Word. And so until next time, this is the Unchanging Word radio broadcast. Life begins at Calvary.